Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. Do you know anyone in your realm of influence who may be considered what the Bible would call a foreigner or a stranger that God may have brought into your realm of influence? What an opportunity. The Bible's pretty clear on when we have those people among us, how that we are to be servants and ministers to them. And today on Exploring Missions, we're going to look at that. This is not a political statement. This is a biblical response, not necessarily at who should come in or shouldn't come in, but those who are here, how we minister to them as a church and how we're to approach them. And so we hope this will be a blessing to you and uh, that that we would be on, on mission for Christ with everyone that God brings into our lives. Nathan, thank you for bringing this to, to our attention. And this is not foreign to you. This is really real to you for five years working with those that we would consider foreigners and strangers, refugees that had come and to to America for hope and for for protection because many of them spent 14 years in refugee camps and many of them had come from countries where their lives were endangered and uh, you you knowing them and getting to meet them did it give you heart for them after you get to know someone that's in that situation yeah i would say that was kind of the world i lived in for for five, six years and with my family. And I would say, unfortunately, I would say it took uh, meeting families and individuals who have gone through struggle and hardship, many of them literally fleeing their lives, seeing loved ones lost, to come to America, many as refugees. Others come as uh, international students or immigrants. But meeting these people and hearing their stories, it took more of that, that then from that point, I I would look into God's word and actually realize God's word is full of things that we're commanded to do, we're told to do. It's it's on God's heart. God has a heart for foreign, foreign people, wherever the land is they're coming from, wherever the land is they're going to. God has a heart for strangers, for uh, international people. And it took meeting people to kind of drive me to, the, to God's Word to actually see what was already on God's heart. Well, I can say this from a personal point of view as well. Visiting with you, of course, I'd visit with you. You're, you're my son, but you're also the father of my grandson, children, <laughs> two grandsons and a granddaughter that I have with, with you and Rachel. But I met some of them, and it really let me see the value of ministering. And again, it has been a lesson that I've learned in my life. And But God, even in what you would say rural areas, not necessarily in metropolitan areas like Atlanta where you ministered, 
But even in rural areas, you'd be surprised how many people are here. Oh, yeah. And and if you close your eyes, yeah, you won't see them. But if you open your eyes, you'll see them. Yeah, and you can. that's a simple prayer right from the start. Just ask God to open your eyes to see the strangers, to see the people who are new in this country, new into your neighborhood. And let you know, ask him to give him give you his eyes, give you his heart for those people. Well, let's look at the biblical model. Uh, let me share this with people. If you're listening to Exploring Missions for the first time, I do another radio program Monday through Friday called Exploring the Word. And ever so often, we would just do a program on missions because if you go through the Bible, guess what you're going to do, Nathan. You're going to, yeah, you're going, you're to, going do, to see it. And Nathan, you brought the idea saying, hey, Dad, how about us, you know, once a week or once a month, let's do specifically that. And uh, to make a long story short, Jim Stanley, our station network manager and the program manager of all, he said, how about doing it once a week? And uh, he invited you and to be co-hosting with me for this program, and I appreciate that so much. And from that, we've really been able to look at missions from all perspective. Our introduction talks about going to the foreign fields, but also next door across the street, across the town. And so that's what we try to do on this program. But let's look at the mentality and the biblical view. What is the biblical response to the foreigner living among us? Again, I want to make this. We're not talking about whether they should come in or not. We're not going to go there. We just purposely do. We we've uh, America is a nation of immigrants, and praise the Lord. I my our roots are Irish mainly, yeah. and uh, praise the Lord. At one time, the Irish, especially in the Northeast, were looked at say, "Oh, man, more yeah. more Irish." Coming they they in. wanted to build a wall f- uh, to keep the Irish. They, out. I'm telling you, that especially <laughs> certain towns, they had enough. Of and knowing some of our kin folks, I can see why. I you can know? see why as well, Nathan. <laughs> so, but let's let's look at this. Uh, what is the biblical response to the foreigner living among us. What's the first thing? Well, I would say even before we get into this, kind of along the lines that you're talking about, it helps to kind of keep in mind this idea there's something called spheres of sovereignty. Yes. And, you know, what what we mean is there's there's kind of independent, but sometimes they overlap, spheres of influence, spheres of sovereignty that— let's say, a, a nation, a government of a nation would have. And then within that nation, there's another sphere of influence that the church, the believers in, in Jesus Christ, have. And again, many times those overlap, and, and they, they should inf- the church should definitely be an influence on the government. But many times, there's a, a little bit of a hands-off approach of the church to the government and saying, okay, you decide, we put you in office, and you decide what's best. We'll pray for you. We'll try to influence you to do what's right and biblical. We're, we're, we're over here talking about the sphere of influence, specifically guiding the church. I mean, that's why we're looking in the Bible. We're not talking about the U.S. Constitution today. But there are places where they overlap. So today we're going to just kind of leave application more to each individual listener and how that might influence the government or influence their own life. But we just want to really look at what God's what Word says. What God says. says the, yeah. I don't know how to say this. The foreigners and the strangers are here. Let's, let's 
have the Great Commission active yeah. even here in that's our right. life. So let's go. So the first thing would be to trust God. You know, that's our first response in this. We, we got to understand that God is ultimately, he's the one behind all movements of people from somewhere to another place. God is the one, a uh, friend of mine, he, J.D. Payne, he talks about how God is the divine maestro. And he's orchestrating all these events around the world to move people from one place to another so that they might hear the gospel ultimately and, and be saved. That's God's priority, right? It is. It is. So he, he's calling people to be actively engaged in this mission of welcoming the foreigner as well. Uh, sending, going, but also welcoming and receiving the foreigner. I want to read Acts 17, verses 26 and 27. It's pretty plain. It says, And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth, and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation, so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. Yeah. Sounds like an orchestration that we're talking about. Yeah, so we can trust God. He's the one ultimately, you know, he's the sovereign one that is that is doing this, and it's for his glory. And trust kind of does away with fear. Yeah. Because fear is, I, the people that I've talked to that have a desire to minister to foreigners many times because of, of the nation probably uh, they may be from or may not be from. They don't know the conditions. There's assumptions that are made, and fear comes up. And perfect love casts out fear. So if we'll trust God and love him and love our neighbor as we should, it'll do away with that fear and we'll overcome it. And I say we. I, it's, I'm not excluding myself and uh, you know those I know from that category no, as definitely. well, Nathan. So we, we have to trust God. Second, I would say we need to be thankful. We, we should be thankful. Our response to the foreigner should come from the memory of our own foreignness, okay? Spiritually, for the church, we are strangers in a strange land. And I would say even, as you mentioned before, as Americans, at some point, back unless we're native-born, and our family was Native American, we're all foreigners to, to an extent. So let me read a, a passage out of Exodus. Listen to how... God refers the children of Israel back to remembering where they came from. Exodus twenty two twenty one. You must not exploit a foreign resident or oppress him, since you were foreigners in the land of Egypt. And I, I feel like their own oppression and their own their own exploitation that they went under from the hands of the Egyptians. They remembered that freshly. And they were like, yes, you're right. We, we need to treat people fairly. We need to show them love. And so the next response is then to be thankful that God brought us out of that and into a, a new place. A friend of mine, Bill Stafford, who's an evangelist that you know as well, he, he was at our church several times. He said the bad part about a lot of us who are believers is we've gotten saved and gotten over it. And one of the things is how it was, how thankful we were that somebody would share the gospel with us. And there's some people out there that need to be loved on and share the gospel, be shared with them. It, yeah. The gospel does make a difference. Yeah. So we're trusting God. We're, we're expressing our thanks to him for uh, making us citizens in his, uh, in his kingdom. 
And then third, we, we're to love others. That should be our, our a biblical response is to love others. We're to love the foreigner as God loves them. You think about the great commandment, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. In fact, in the great commandment, Jesus is just summarizing the Old Testament. Did you know in the Old Testament, there are only three direct commands to love a being, an entity, an individual? You could probably guess two of the three. We're obviously supposed to love God. We're commanded to love God in the Old Testament. We're also commanded to love our neighbor, right? Love our neighbor as ourself. The only other person we're commanded directly to love in the Old Testament are the strangers, the foreigners living among us. That speaks pretty loudly. As a matter of fact, it shouts from the rooftops yeah. uh, when he says that. A scripture that that looks and, and makes that known. And I, this one I find amazing, and I do want to comment on it. Psalm 146, verse 9 says, The Lord watches over the strangers, relieves the fatherless and widow, but the way of the wicked he turns upside down. Now, there's two or three things here. Notice in the category of caring and loving is strangers, fatherless, and widows. Yeah. Now, in the New Testament, in the book of James, it really makes known to us that we're to care for the fatherless and the widows. But also here in Psalm, we find out the foreigners are as important as well. And I, and I do want to notice in verse 9, but the way of the wicked, he turns upside down. That does not mean that even foreigners like citizens, that we hold them to to a standard of not being lawless, yeah. you know, anyone right. that's lawless. And so make sure you understand that. We're not talking about a, a blanket statement concerning people who have re, uh, rejected, I would say, society's norms for for actions that are proper and, uh, and biblical. Yeah, just like the citizens, they are to be uh, held accountable. So this verse puts that in a little bit of a context, and I hope it brings balance to, to what I feel like has gotten out of balance with people who on one side, hey, if you're a foreigner, you're out of here, or the others, oh, it doesn't matter. We re-accept you no matter what. I, I think that passage, Nathan, brings balance to the whole, whole situation. Yeah, and we're going to talk about this in a second, but when a foreigner comes into a new land, they are to abide by the law of that land. In Israel, it was a covenant law with God that they were coming under, which really shows amazing God's amazing grace through that. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about that in a second. But yeah, so trust God, be thankful, love others. I would say fourth, we need to seek justice. The foreigner is to be treated equally, fairly, and with dignity and justice. So what that means in real life, the foreigner's basic needs are to be met or have the opportunity for them to meet those needs. Providing opportunities to work, provide for their family's needs, opportunity to worship, just like we experience as citizens. Let me read a passage in Deuteronomy chapter 26, verse 12. It says, when you have finished paying all the tenth of your produce in the third year, so we're talking about tithing here, the year of the tenth, you are to give it to the Levite, the foreign resident, the fatherless, and the widow. It includes them again. Right. There it is you, in that you, list. You, you find so many times in the Old Testament the, the list of strangers, orphans, and widows, or the, or the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow, so that they may eat in your towns and be satisfied. In other words, taking care of basic needs for widows, for orphans, and for strangers. Would Ruth 
and Naomi coming back from Moab, although this was, you know, Naomi's hometown, she had made the decision to go elsewhere. And when they came, notice what Boaz did. He did that, and there was responsibility on both sides. This is important. This is really important for people. It's true for citizens. It's true for foreigners. It was true for the New Testament church because over in the book of Thessalonians, there are some people that were so out of balance that they were looking for the Lord to come back at any time. They were not working. And Paul said, hey, if, if, if it affects you that way, if you don't work, you don't eat. Again, there's that, that equality that is so important, and it's on both sides. And I think Boaz and Ruth and Naomi show that yeah. balance, doesn't it? Definitely. I mean, Ruth, Naomi, they were willing to get out in the fields and, 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 and work. So that's what we're talking about, uh, opportunity to work and provide for your family. So seeking justice, and I would say the, the last thing here would be to welcome strangers. The job as a church, part of our task in carrying out the Great Commission is to welcome strangers, showing hospitality to foreigners. Did you know God judges those who do not give justice to the foreigner? That's kind of a strange or a, maybe a scary thought. Uh, Jesus goes so far as indicating that a clear mark of one who is known by God is providing hospitality to the stranger. The one who refuses the stranger is refusing Jesus himself. We know that passage in Matthew 25 where Jesus talked about that. For I I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. Hebrews 13.2, is that the one you entertain strangers? Yeah, angels Angels unawares. It is important. I want to give you an incident that occurred at a church where I was pastoring. I was gone and we were on vacation. And I had a man who came in, and I didn't know exactly how we'd do it, but he he would camp out in front of the church Saturday night and be there Sunday morning, and it was his kind of rugged looking and ragged looking, and uh, people would respond to him either tell him to get off. He'd had police called and asked be taken away, but he was the speaker. And when this guy ragged and kind of dressed like a homeless person would be when found out he was the preacher they were shocked you know Mm. and you better be careful if it's not an angel it may be a preacher (laughs) so you it's uh the thing is you go over those five things list them again and and how important they are yeah so just our biblical response to the foreigner living among us we should trust god be thankful love others seek justice and welcome the strangers and God demonstrated that. He just did not teach it. He provided. And one of the things that the children of Israel would do when they would get into the land of promise is establish what is called cities of refuge. Mm-hmm. Now, the neat thing about this, they were all accessible, but they were not a place for people to go, and uh, they were for a refuge they're a little different than sanctuary cities. Sanctuary cities, you go there, not necessarily for justice to be done in protection and justice. Many times today, it's provision without certain things, and I don't want to get into that too much. Yeah, we don't want to confuse America we, for we don't. We the don't. Old Testament nation but, of Israel but either. But cities of refuge were there because of, of uh, placement. Uh, uh, two and a half tribes stayed on the other side of the Jordan River when they could have come on across, 
And so God provided for them those cities of refuge too, three on one side, three on the other side, Nathan. It was neat how God put them out north, south, and in the central part. They were located. It wasn't within a day's journey of every place. So if you lived in the the land of Israel at this time uh, as— as a, you know, a, a, uh, an Israelite, then you were within a day's journey of one of the cities of refuge. And it was for you, uh, it was for the, the Hebrews, the, the children of Israel, living under the covenant of God, but it was also cities of refuge were set up for foreigners to uh, the way they would enter into that covenant, the way they would come into the land of Israel and join in and become a citizen. And they were Levitical cities, Yes. So that they would should have a biblical, I would say a biblical population. The Levites were there. They were to demonstrate by word and by example how how God operates and how the law was to, really it was to become not one on paper but one on their hearts. Right, and and that was the ultimate goal of God. That yeah. the law of God wouldn't just be on tablets made of stone but they would be in our hearts. And that's what the New Testament is about. So let's make that for you going further, and then I want you to take it away. What happens is that in our hearts, we should have the same heart as God for all people. And yeah. we, we preach that real strongly for the widows, I, I think, and, and the childless, and those churches that are really pro-life, we, we consider the, the babies in the womb to be those that we need to protect as well. We put them in that classification of taking care of them and protecting them as well. But here we have found the foundation that the foreign and the stranger, they fit in a category too. They're listed several yeah. times with, with those that we considered the New Testament church. So the church needs to have a ministry to those that are foreigners or strangers. That's right. And um, I would even say the New Testament church was made up of a lot of strangers and immigrants, <laughs> hey, and especially the church at Jerusalem, right from the start. Right from the start, man, I have a hard time saying all those names, yeah. Nathan. When they were all the places they were from, but the Bible says in in Acts, from every every land every that land. they were gathered in Jerusalem. And and one thing, real quickly, because I'm afraid we'll forget it before we get to the end. When you come to the Book of Revelation, and it the throne, every tribe, every tongue, every nation gathered around the throne, praising the Lord. That's right. And what an opportunity it is. So God's heart is so much bigger than ours, and let's not be satisfied with where our heart is right now. Let's go on to 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 see it grow and to beat with God's heartbeat. Uh, and God's heartbeat does beat for the foreigner and the stranger. Let's read in Joshua chapter 20 a few verses about these cities of refuge. Joshua chapter 20, verse 1, The Lord spoke to Joshua and said, Tell the Israelites, Select your cities of refuge as I instructed you through Moses, so that a person who kills someone unintentionally or accidentally may flee there. These will be your refuge from the avenger of blood. When someone flees to one of these cities, stands at the entrance of the city gate, and states his case before the elders of that city, they are to bring him into the city and give him a place to live among them. And if the avenger of blood pursues him, they must not hand the one who committed manslaughter over to him, for he killed his neighbor accidentally and did not hate him beforehand. He is to stay in that city until he stands trial before the assembly and until the death of the high priest serving at that time. 
Then the one who committed manslaughter may return home to his own city from which he fled. So that tells how uh, citizens of Israel, the Hebrews, uh, children of the covenant of God, can flee to one of these refuge cities when they accidentally kill someone, and it tells about the process there. Let's read the next few verses that talk about where they are to be. Verse 7, they designated Kedesh in the hill country of Naphtali and Galilee, Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim, and Kirotharba, that is Hebron, in the hill country of Judah. So that is on the west side of the Jordan River, north, central, and south. Now verse 8, across the Jordan, east of Jericho, they selected Bezer on the wilderness plateau from Reuben's tribe, Ramoth and Gilead from Gad's tribe, and Golan in Bashan from the Manasseh's tribe. And that's, again, on the east side of the Jordan, north, central, and south. And we know of Golan because of the Golan Heights. Yeah, so you're talking about a a ring, a circle of refuge around the nation of Israel. Now verse 9, these are the cities appointed for all the Israelites and foreigners among them, so that anyone who kills a person unintentionally may flee there and not die at the hand of the avenger of blood until he stands before the assembly. So God's heart not only is for justice and mercy for those seeking peace, they might have accidentally killed someone, and they're going to seek peace and and run from uh, an avenger of blood, but also for foreigners who are coming, willing to come into the covenant and and live under God's law. So these were proportionately situated for access to, Another message that you get uh, on the cities of refuge is knowing that Jesus yeah. is our city of refuge, Nathan, well, can, even today. Can we just mention, I want to mention a few things Go. about that, yes. how Jesus and the cities of refuge are, are alike. And you see Jesus clearly in this picture. So both Jesus and the cities of refuge are close to the needy. Both Jesus and the cities of refuge are open to all, not just the Israelites. Both Jesus and the cities of refuge became a place where the one in need would live, dwell, and abide. Both Jesus and the cities of refuge are the only alternative for the one in need. Without this specific protection, they would be destroyed. Both Jesus and the cities of refuge provide protection only within their boundaries. To go outside means destruction. And both Jesus and the cities of refuge, full freedom will come with the death of the high priest, who we know is Jesus Christ, our high so, priest. When you do that and you see that, some uh, if you've never, if you're a teacher or a preacher, get a lesson on, on the city's refuge in Jesus Christ. Here's, here's what we're saying. First of all, we need to have our heart right with God. You get your heart right by coming to him in faith, confessing your sin, uh, surrendering your life to him, And then after he comes into your heart and your life, have a heart, have a heart for those around you. And I think purposefully look for those that may be hurting, uh, that uh, are foreigners. Uh, Let God's perfect love overcome your fear. Every, Every foreigner, international stranger, whatever you want to call them that I've talked to, which is many, they all experience loneliness. What an opportunity to provide hope and and joy and love in their life by coming along beside them, becoming their friend, just just being there and sharing the gospel with them as God gives you opportunity. 
Thank you for being with us on Exploring Missions. We pray that God would lead you to someone to express your love for Christ as well.